Hey guys, Drew here to introduce yet another fantastic episode of Cosmic Crit, our star-finding home away from home here on the internet. And I just want to say a big thank you to anybody that is listening to us right now, mostly because we just reached a new milestone for our show. We have crossed the 100,000 download threshold, which is fantastic! And we are celebrating that right now. You may have already seen some of this stuff on Twitter and Facebook, but where the big celebrations are happening is in our Discord. Discord, if you're unaware, is a new kind of social media platform. It's kind of like the gaming version of Slack, if any of you guys out there use Slack. And we have different rooms that you can go in, join the conversations that are going on with all our other Crittermanders, uh, and you can actually enter some contests that we have. For example, over in our Cosmic Crit lore channel, where you can talk about all sorts of st stuff for the story behind the scenes in our in our show, we are actually holding a contest for fans to share their favorite moment, whether that moment is Knack rolling Sense Motive on the Snacks, or uh, Knack singing a song at the beginning of an episode, or, or Knack just having a funny line uh, that he says in any given moment that just really cracks you up. Um, or I guess Raimi could do something. But if you share that, you are actually entered into a contest to win a cool 3D physical Starfinder Society badge that are made by one of our moderators and friends of the show, Tim. Uh, which the, We have seen pictures of this thing. I really want to get my hands on one because I think it is awesome. And I hope it made one for me. <laughs> anyway, head on over to, to our Discord. The easiest links, if you are listening to this on our site, you can just look right underneath it. They're right there. Or you can go to CosmicCrit.com, and the link to that should be in the upper right-hand corner. And don't forget about Monster March, which is still going on. Submit your monster. All the rules are available on our site and on our social media. And you could win a Paizo PDF that Pact World's book is coming out <laughs> like right now. Some folks already have it. I don't have my copy yet, but maybe by the time you hear this, it will be at, at my door. Uh, so with that said, we're going to jump into our episode. And here's a little tease. You know, Tim, that I was talking about a second ago? He might have spent a little time in the recording booth himself, providing the voice for an NPC that the crew meets in this episode. So I can't wait to hear it. I know you guys can't either. So I'm going to turn it over to Cosmic Crit Episode 30, Game of Bones. Last time on Cosmic Crit. The crew gets to relax and enjoy a pleasant car ride. And then explode. Alindra had a dark dream. A Kasothan group of mercenaries called the House of Ashes came looking for Raimi and knew his full name. So that's Raimi Quindar. Let me guess, we're stuck in a car. Yep. Surrounded by mercs. You got it. No hope but to get out and fight. Big time. Bring it on. We split the party and got in trouble, so we decided to do it again. The crew found an adorable new member that Raimi named Mr. McScruffins. The party boarded the Drift Rider and set a course for the Diaspora. The Drift Rider was set upon by pirates. Edris falls into a trap laid out by one of his old mutineers, Arcor. Episode commencing in 3, 2, 1. Episode initiated. Avast ye mateys! This week on the show, Scallywags will walk the plank, 
feckless ingrates shall raise ports of call, and those unlucky enough to fail a reflex save will join the dead in Davy Jones' locker. Hello, my name is Captain Patrick Beard, and I'm your GM, your gallivanting miscreant, here on the Pirates of the Cosmic Crit. Joining the crew to swab the decks are my five friends and first mates who are looking for booty, loot, and plunder. Join me in welcoming, to my left, a skeletal monkey that's on the hunt for gold doubloons. Drew playing Max Israk. <laughs> to his left, <laughs> he, he's a savvy android who's ready to parlay. Jabert playing Andis147. Oh, hello, Patrick. Ahoy, matey. Ahoy. Across the digital table, curse the room the seven seas and sing a jaunty song. It's Miles and Raimi. Drink up, ye hotties, ho! To his left, if you want to feel pain, try wearing a corset. We've got Rebecca playing Alindra Vallis. Yo ho, let's go! And to my <laughs> right. The pirate Ramones. To my right, absolutely the worst pirate that I've ever heard of. Tyler playing a Drosferanus. But why is the rum gone? Woo! Hey, everybody, how's it going? You know what time it is. It's time for episode 30 of our show. 3-0. Wow. That's, oh. that's bonkers. Old, old enough to party right now is what we are. So I don't want to interrupt, but we are recording on GM Appreciation Day, and I just wanted to say thank you, Patrick, for all of the hard work you do for the show. Oh, thanks, You're amazing. Patrick. Oh, okay. Is. is that really a thing? Listen to Rebecca <laughs> second up. I was like, <laughs> no, it's yeah, actually no. It's March 5th. Yeah. I don't know yeah, why, yeah. but I'm much more receptive to any and all of her suggestions for the rest of this game. It's <laughs> weird. She's uh, rolled a charm spell up on me. It worked. Awesome. Yeah, I today was great. I've got a good deal of uh, exciting news that I can and finally announce now that the, the book has been announced, but I did some writing for Paizo that is going to show up in the next Adventure Path. Woo! Yay! Yay! Yeah. Which we will more than likely dip our toes into, but very excited. I'm not going to spoil any specifics about what's coming, what's coming in that Adventure Path, but suffice to say, uh, Against the Aeon Throne is going to be a ton of fun, and we've only got six months to go until... Uh, <laughs> Until we can start diving into that. So, yeah, very, very excited about that. It's basically the best GM appreciation day ever. Truly. Everybody, everything coming up, Patrick, Patrick number one, all those good things. Yeah. Thank you, Patrick. All right. Now let's get back to it so we can immediately kill Idris. (laughs) All right. right. (laughs) What what did happen last time on the show? Not much. No things. But we we got attacked. Rami's a little liar pants. But his pants were literally on fire uh, as he attempted to uh, hide what we knew from what the uh, the assassins or mercenaries mm-hmm. tried to, to tell us. I guess they weren't assassins. They were more kidnappers. Uh, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I didn't really have a, a chance to. They weren't trying to kill me. Uh, you, you couldn't talk a lot. Yeah, there <laughs> were assassins. Yeah, there were assassins to us. Yeah. <laughs> One man's assassin is another man's kidnapper. <laughs> I just you hope the Star. I just hope same. the Starfinder Society got uh, insurance on that rental car. 
because uh, <laughs> uh, we got a we got a little puppy, Mister McScruffins. Yes, thank you. That was a major plot point of the last episode. point? What happened yeah. at the very end, so we can get back into this game, knowing what happened? Oh, I gave, I gave the puppy a little seat. Oh boy, oh, Tyler, Tyler, <laughs> what happened to Atros? Oh boy, he went aboard the rusty rivet. And thought he would be greeted by, you know, the the crew of the Rusty Rivet, but he was greeted by uh, some defensive auto turrets and one of his old mutineers, the Yosoki Arcor. Arcor, indeed, yes. And that is where we're picking up this week, this this former first mate that's helped stage a mutiny on you in, in your, your pass, Edros, comes at you with this wicked-looking blade, a pistol drawn and he says i got just one thing to say to you at dross and that is it was an honor serving under you and i'm sorry to have to kill you now and we're in combat initiative roll tyler <laughs> for dross so just to be clear we don't have open communications with the dross right now so we on the drift rider don't know what's happening it doesn't seem like he's been replying back to you so doesn't seem like it. Okay. Alrighty. So oh, you've rolled oh. <laughs> rolled an eleven initiative, uh, <laughs> and I've rolled I rolled an eighteen on the dice. So I'm not gonna lie, I might be going first here. Uh, so Arcor, this Isoki pirate, is indeed gonna take a, a shot at you. Yeah, his his shot goes wide as he you know quick draws his uh, pistol and whizzes by your ear. He's also got these two two turrets. <coughs> Yeah, and these are these are two um, jacketed uh, bullet turrets. They just start throwing flak in your direction. All right, so a 19 on the dice and a 20 oh, on the dice. Oh, come on, just to come start on. the game out right. Oh, that's so, great. So, what was your next character going to be here? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, you know, I was going to make a Formian. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to it. All right, so that critical hit is 13 points of damage. There's no additional critical. And then the other turret did eight points of damage. As, uh, yeah, the oh, right. bullets just start lighting up that side of this uh, this cargo bay that you've uh, <sighs> you've met him in. And it is your turn, Ed Ross. Let me do some quick math here. It's 21 points of damage. Minus 10. Okay. All right. Oh, boy. I'm so confused about how he started this combat out. Before I before I do anything, I'm, I think Edris would speak out and say, oh. Arcor, why? Why why do you have to kill me? We can, surely we can talk this over. And he's going to, are these auto turrets? Can I, are they up on the ceiling? Can I reach them? They did pop down from the ceiling. Yeah, you might be able to to reach up at them as this, the room here isn't isn't very tall. Um, if you get like right underneath one, hit it. But yeah, they're 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 automated. They're dropped down from the ceiling. Okay, that's what I that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to move up to one of the turrets that is on uh, the west side of this room, hoping that our core will kind of respond to me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to attack him directly yet. I just want to try and take out these turrets. Uh, and I'm going to make a single... While I'm moving, I'm going to go ahead and pull out the curved blade. And okay. I'm going to go ahead and try and try and break this this turret. Uh, that's a 26. Ooh, that's a hit. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be 19 points of damage. All right, so this turret goes down uh, as you basically bifurcate it and, you know, disconnect the feed nice. belt going into the two guns. So yeah, it, it still seems to be clicking at you, but it don't doesn't have any bullets in the chamber. Oh, okay. That's, 
I hope that was the one that did the critical hit. I it definitely was, yeah. Okay, good, good. Screw that auto turret specifically. <laughs> All right, so Arcor take, takes another look at you. He steps forward with his uh, his blade drawn and says, there's just some things that a rat's gotta do and killing you is, is what I've got to do and, and cross off my list. He's going to make a swing with his long sword. Okay, natural one. <laughs> that is a miss. Can I make a sense motive on, on that? Please do. While the I... other auto turret shoots <laughs> in your direction. I... <laughs> Yes. Oh my god, these auto turrets are destroying me! Awesome. Uh, Alright, roll, roll sense motive and I'll roll damage at the same time. Okay, I am getting a bonus to the sense motive because of that uh, Aeon Stone. This is the first time this Aeon Stone has come in handy. Oh boy, not that handy. <laughs> I've rolled, rolled a two! Uh, plus the Aeon Stone bonus of plus two gives me a massive four! I must know everything about this sentence. <clears throat> he, he doesn't really seem to be lying. He doesn't really seem to be overly angry either. You know, you're not sure what's happening. M- much like Tyler in real life probably doesn't understand what's happening. Uh, so the the other turret hits you for seven points of damage. And uh, cool. back to so your turn. You. So uh, one of the things that I got uh, when we leveled up last was a feat that allowed me to take reduced kinetic damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these, these turrets are hitting me, but they are hitting me at least not as hard as they would be previously. Okay, so our core has closed the distance, but he, he, he rolled a critical. I mean, he rolled a one. Uh, I'm going to go up to the other turret, and uh, so you get an attack of opportunity on me. Oh, boy. Let's, <laughs> let's try this out. Yeah, he's going to try and slash at your your back. Try to cut you down. Uh, I've rolled an eight on the dice. That is that is a hit right at 22 AC. 23. 20, 23. 23. Oh, you, you go up a little bit this uh, level five. Uh, one of my ability increases was to uh, dexterity. And I've rolled so... just a 22. That's a miss. Oh, yes. Thank you, dexterity. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go, go ahead and make your turn. Okay, so I'm glad that missed. I'm going to go ahead and try and take out this turret. Curved blade, don't fail me now. That's going to be a 28 to hit. Heyo, that's a hit, and that one is also down. Yes. <sighs> okay. Right in half. Okay, and we are on to turn three. Uh, he just, Arcor, takes a guarded step backwards a little bit and, and brings his, his uh, laser pistol out again, tries to fire it in your direction and says, you shouldn't have come aboard. You should have just stayed on your own ship. And a 13 on the dice, that is going to be a hit for only four points of damage. I did take the thermal capacitor off of Tahoman when we fought him, which gives me fire resistance five. So would that negate this completely? I believe so. Resistance. Awesome. Then I take no, I'll, I take no damage. So it's basically just absorbed for the most part right into your your armor. It was a, a direct hit. Your turn. What do you want to do? I'm going to move up to our core, and while I'm moving, I'm going to stow. I'm going to sheath the curve, curved blade, and I'm going to try and do a grapple on him. Go right ahead. That's just a straight melee attack, right? That is a melee attack, and yeah, it's their KC plus eight. Okay. Oh my gosh. Twelve. <laughs> Two on the dice. He steps back again on on his turn, you know, trying to he's just a very, very fleet 
of foot. <laughs> Isoki like ducks under your legs. Looks like he's about to say something, but someone from the shadows steps forward uh, with a massive arc emitter and blasts Arcor straight in the back and the, a surge of electricity violently shakes the small frame of the Isoki and uh, he falls to the deck unconscious. A number of pirates stream into the room behind this figure and at their the head of this group is a, a bold and striking woman who strides in wearing a fine mesh of armor underneath her patchy naval jacket, an eye patch, and carries a huge curved steel blade, much like your own Adros, mm. on her hip. And this is Akira Aquana, free captain of the Rusty Rivet. And she uh, steps up to you, Adros, and says, Care to explain just what in the heck is happening here? I... I'm unsure this this Yosoki is. His name is Arkor. He was a he was the first mate on my old ship before there was a mutiny and they left me stranded. I don't know what he's doing on the rusty rivet. <laughs> he just attacked me as soon as I came through the doors. But but we sent him to let you in the port side. He's a swab on our crew here. Just came on. And it looks like Arkor was trying to kill you. Is is there s- still bad blood betwixt ye both? Arkor was one of my most trusted men. Back when I was on the sun scale, I I tried to ask him why he would attack me, and he said that there were just some things he had to do. I I don't know what caused this, and I am sorry for taking out your turrets. Uh, she takes a look at the damage you've caused and is like, <laughs> just like old times, huh, Edros? Let's uh let's figure this out. Why don't we lay down our arms here, relax, and you have your crew come on over just to show that there's no bad blood between us, huh? Thank you, Free Captain. I will uh, send word for them to come over. Right. Uh, so y- you see the the pirate crew here tying up Arcor, and they kind of drag away his uh, his still unconscious body toward towards the center of the ship. Just as like a quick aside to Free Captain Aquana, I just want to say to her, uh, please be easy on Arcor. I, I feel like he was doing something almost against his will, but... Uh, his his heart, it didn't seem to be in the fight. I feel like, well, if it matters at all, please uh, take it easy on it. Uh, she kind of nods and is like, invite your crew over. We'll have sup over in the mess. We'll talk all this out. So Edris would get on the comms and say, Edris to the Drift Rider. Alindra, you guys there? Yes, we're here. Are you okay? Yeah, I've met up with uh, the free captain Aquana, and she wants you guys to come over to the Rusty Rivet. Everything's fine here. Are you sure we can trust them? Yeah, I feel pretty good about this. <laughs> got, got a two on that sense motive. Feeling pretty, so, <laughs> pretty good, gang. That was a very good. confident pause in your in your speech. So Alendra's going to turn to Nack with the comm unit turned off so Adras doesn't hear. Um, <laughs> hey, Nack, do you think we can trust this? Do you, do you think there's any way you can sneak around and get a peek and see if you... Th- Apprise the situation. Uh, I can uh, I can take a look and see. Knack uh, was already intending to do this, but with Alindra's question, he activates his hollow skin to look just like a different Isoki, different fur color, different uh, you know, d- some some different markings on the fur, like a pirate, a pirate uh, Isoki. To, to not look like Nax's rack right now. <laughs> right. 
Let, let's let's just say that maybe Knack has some some reasons to to not look like himself in the diaspora. Well, a, a giant vesk meets you at the the port. Are you coming through just by yourself? I'm I'm coming through with everybody else. What are you talking about? Okay, well, so you guys are all coming together. Yeah, I guess I actually don't understand what what Alindra is asking here. Do I didn't either. <laughs> That's why I was confused. You're just like going along with it. No, I guys- thought maybe he could sneak around like into the door and like sense motive or something. So you guys coming on over? What would you like to do? All right, Adras, we're coming over and we all walk. Right. <laughs> uh, well, Raimi does not trust these new people, so he's he's going to do the same trick he pulled on uh, Castrovel, and he's putting a holographic image on his new Corona laser rifle so that it looks invisible. Okay. So as we walk on to the vessel here, um, are we walking on to the bridge? You guys actually get on to the, the south here and then the, the port, and then you are escorted by a, a very large vesk as you enter the vessel straight to this room here, which is a small mess area. Well, this is really like looking into a mirror with this crew here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was actually going to say, I added to the adventure path our friend Adros's prior mate, Arcor, the Ahsoki. But as you come o- over, you notice that the crew of the Rusty Rivet are basically doppelgangers of you all. <laughs> There's a, a human captain who kind of eyes Raimi up and down as, as he walks in. The uh, unconscious Arcor. Uh, who Nack you might get a, a quick view of as they're they're dragging away his his limp body, and this just looks like a, a more rough and, and tumble version of of Nack. Uh, <laughs> and as there's a, an android gunner hand you saw, and he simply introduces himself as Q4 mm-hmm. Alindra. There's a very harsh looking Karasha Lashunta woman named Karina No, who introduces herself as Steelfang. That's <laughs> her nickname. And you see she's got like a metal grill. Wow, and Edro- she seems really friendly. <laughs> and uh, Edros, their their pilot, is a, a Vesk who introduces himself uh, as things kind of die down in, in the fight you just had as a Zekanoya Spike Smasher. Gives you like a very strong-armed Vesk grasp. Gives you like the old forearm clutch. Can I sense motive on a room, or do I have to sense motive on people? No, you can't. You can't sense motive on <laughs> random stuff. I, I just, I, I meant, uh, I, I meant sense motive. Let me, let me, can I correct, can I correct this before I just, because this is, I just mean, can I sense motive on the general atmosphere of the people in the room? No, sense motive is like, if you want to figure out if someone's telling the truth or not. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll, 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 it's not a preternatural sixth sense. I'll start off the conversation. Well, uh, Captain Arquana, this is my, these are my friends and comrades. This is Nack, Andis147, Raimi, and uh, our captain, Alindra. Her eyebrows raise the free captain Aquana when you introduce Alindra as the captain. And she says, oh, is that, is that right? You're crewing for someone else, are you? I will always consider myself the captain of the Sunscale. Once I get her back, I'll regain my captain status. Patrick, Andis would like to quest out real quick to see if there's a computer system uh, higher than tier one within 20 feet. Oh, with your your cyber brain? Yeah, with (laughs) your wireless hackability. There is a basic computer 
access, you know, within 30 feet from the, the mess hall where you, where you are to, uh, you know, general information about the, the ship, not, not any controls or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not looking for controls. I'm looking for just, just information about the crew, what they're doing, where they've been. What's happening? Oh, well, I can answer that real quick because that was the next thing that Captain Aquana was going to say. She uh, steps up and they start serving up some meals to you guys. And the captain says, welcome aboard the Rusty Rivet Drift Riders. We've got grub here. It's uh, reprocessed meals, but this will set you right. So uh, what brings you out here to the Black Varanus? Word on the spheres is that you've gone mainstream making action vids and puff pieces for the Starfinder Society. <laughs> yeah, that's there's a there's some truth in that. I I took on back after I was marooned and I made my way to Absalom Station to find some work and uh, I landed with the Starfinders and we've uncovered quite a bit of uh, cultist action, if I may be frank. Anyway, one of their cultists had. Uh, had some communications with a group or an entity out in the diaspora. We've been tracking that signal into this part of space, and that's what's brought us here. Uh, she nods kind of uh, knowingly, continues the conversation while while it's going on. Andis, give me a computer's check. That's a 27. Right, so it's not super guarded, a lot of their communication systems that you are able to access through that, the, the basic tiers, the computers here, but one of the things you are able to find is what looks like personal communiques from Broken Rock. Why don't you give me a culture check and see if you you know anything about that. Uh, So that's a 25 on the culture check. Yeah, so believe it or not, while you've never been here, you know that this is the famed hideout of the the free captains of the, the the pirates in the diaspora, and it looks like a lot of the messages are kind of very curt, very short. Go here, do this kind of commands to the rusty rivet, and they're they're marked to Captain Aquana. Mm-hmm. Uh, right back in the conversation, she she's talking about being a free captain. As you kind of maybe dip your your ears back in, Andis Captain Aquana says, "I've made free captain, but they're." Are a couple more hoops to jump through before I'm full-fledged. Do you get me, Adros? There are uh, always more hoops to jump. I've got dues to pay, and, and part of them are being out here on border control. Hunt down some strays, yourself included, I imagine. <laughs> so you, you say you're hunting for cultists here in the Field of the Lost? Yes, the the Cult of the Devourer, to be specific. They hmm. they sent some transmissions from Castravel, or at least to this cultist named Tahuman did. Uh, something about a massive weapon or something that the cultists want to use to bring about the end of the universe. Obviously, the Starfinders wanted not let the cultists get a hold of it. So we've been trying to track where the transmission was sent, and the Field of the Lost was one of the coordinates that they managed to pick up from his recording. So we've been running around trying to figure out if we couldn't pinpoint a more exact location or, mm. you know, area where the transmission was sent. Yeah, she seems pretty perplexed by that, you know, is, is listening wrapped, but about uh, halfway through, you are interrupted. Her attention is taken aside as the Android Q4 comes in from a, a back room and says something in, in her ear, then says uh, aloud to you, Edros. Arcor says he's willing to talk, but only to Edros. Seems like the Ahsoki is back. He's conscious again. Captain Aquana says, uh, What say you, Adras? Uh, you think you can speak without starting another fight on my vessel? I promise to be on my best behavior, Captain. 
a Q4 can lead you down the hall to what looks okay. like a bathroom that is just turned into a, a jury-rigged brig. <laughs> He's kind of zip-tied to a urinal in the back of the, the room. <laughs> While you're back there talking to him, let's uh, continue this conversation out here as Captain Aquana greets the, the rest of you, the four of you, and asks if you have any other questions. Alindra would like to step forward and speak to Aquana. Mm-hmm. She greets you. She says, Captain? Yes, I'd, I'd actually like to greet her in a piratey way, but I'm not sure that Alendra knows a piratey way. Oh, a great way to figure that out is a culture check. See if you know uh, the I ways of the, that was the, of the pirates. <laughs> are not made. so great at culture. We'll see how this goes. Ehor, mateys. That's a nine. Yeah, you have <laughs> you have no idea except maybe like gimmicky movie ways to, uh, <laughs> to say yeah, hello. Yeah, she got it from like. That uh, that book that she gave a draw that she found on the ship, <laughs> like, like the hundred year old book. Yeah, yeah. a vest. <laughs> uh, yeah. What what does Alindra what does Alindra do to the creature? She holds out her hand to give a strong handshake. Nice to meet you, Captain. She she shakes it and says, uh, "Welcome aboard, Captain." <laughs> it's good to be here, and thank you for for taking care of us. We are hospitable to our own. You're lucky Adras was on that ship. We would have opened fire if he wasn't. How exactly do you know Adras? Well, we've crewed a, a few vessels before. We've been in a, a couple of fights, a couple of battles. On here the, in the same diaspora. side or against each other? Well, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. <laughs> uh, I knew him back in his pirating days. He was fresh out of the Vescarium, ready to eat the packed worlds up and drink it to the lees. Do you know anything of this mutiny that happened? I mean, what was the cause? And <laughs> all, all we know uh, is what we heard about is they, they put him off on a, a frozen rock out there and, and one of the gas giants and seemed his crew wasn't appreciative of the way he was doing business. But I've not talked to Edros in years. I'm interested to find that out myself. Yeah, me too. <laughs> what, so, uh, what brings you guys to this neck of uh, neck of the the old floating rocks? We're out here patrolling. Pick up a stray merchant vessel, maybe a a stewardship that's run a, a foul of our territory, and we open up the old chain guns on them and board, take everything they've got, and set it adrift. <laughs> <laughs> Pirates! I never get tired of you guys. Uh, who's who's uh, who's top dog of the old organization nowadays? I haven't kept up with the uh, with with what's going on out here. <laughs> it's not something we share with outsiders. Knack. <laughs> uh, can I do a diplomacy check to uh, get her to uh, convince her that I am in the know and uh, maybe uh, am worthy of that knowledge? Um, you can try. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. But you know, I've been a, I've been around for for a while. You know, I've, I've been out of the game, and into the game, out of the game, into the game. I'm just looking to see, uh, you know, who's who's still running things. See if it's anybody I recognize. And that's an eight on the die, but a twenty for diplomacy. Uh, yeah, she smiles and nods, but turns her back to you quite literally, and, and goes back to Alindra. See if she has any more questions. So, Adras mentioned this cult of the Devourer. Have you had any run-ins with them in the Diaspora? The cult of the Devourer? She seems to be on the tip of her tongue, and she says, Wait, wait, wait. Those uh, those nut jobs? We know about those kooks, right? Seem to give those kind a pretty wide berth out here. 
When you get into a space battle with those types, they fight until both sides are dead if they can help it. Pretty sure they've got themselves holed up on a, a, a big rock out here. Hey, Steel Fang, what's the name of that space? You know, the, whatever you call it, the, the cultist space. Steel Fang, the, the Lashunta crewman, says, Star Eater's Spine. That's it, Star Eater's Spine. I knew it was something out of a six-day morning cartoon. She looks concerned for a moment, and then the free captain says, You know, now that you mention it, there, there was some ship action out that way uh, a few days ago. We, some ships that went in, in that direction. Do you know whose ships they were? Oh, boy. You know, to be honest, uh, I've not seen too many other craft out here the last few months. Maybe a, a Sarkreesian craft or two, but we let those natives be. You know, it was it was a couple of gnarly-looking crafts. Uh, like they were made out of bone or something. Very sleek vessels. Very, very uh, advanced they, design. But Could they be Eoxian? Sounds like the, uh, what is it, the Dead Ooh. Fleet? Yeah, so when you say Eoxian, the free captain's face kind of lights up. It's like, you know what? Yeah, they could have been from from Eox. Maybe a member of the fleet. You know, to tell you the truth, uh, we kind of kept at a sensor range and just tailed them until they they bugged out of our space. But they were they were headed in uh, the direction of the Devourer's base. It's it's a pretty sizable rock. I think I've got it here in the database. And she pulls out a little data pad, and it pops up on a holographic display in the middle of the room and it's a oblong looking asteroid and it's got a a name to it underneath it says k9204 aquana says uh, your ship should be able to pinpoint this but i can direct you through the rock field around it pretty treacherous end of the the field of the lost oh that would be wonderful any any tips you can give us would be great that, that's exactly where we need to go though not that i'm anxious to go to another rock <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, I, I watched some of those feeds with the dross. You guys looked like you had a, a good deal of fun. Yeah, you could call it fun. Uh, let's go back, speaking of Adros, to this bathroom scene. Can, <laughs> uh, oh can, can I sorry. communicate with Adros over comms before uh, before the, the Ahsoki Sakatu wakes up? Yeah, it's, what you got? Adros, can you hear me? Listen, getting a weird vibe. If you, if you can get your hands on him, see if he's got one of those tattoos that we saw in, in the jungle. Wonder if maybe... Maybe he's a cultist, and, and, and that's part of what is, what's going on with him. I'll keep an eye out for it. Good luck. Okay, so Edros, you find Arcor sitting up on a small bench with his clawed hands tied in, in front of him. And he looks at you defiantly when you enter the small restroom quarters and just kind of shies away from your, your gaze and says, Captain. Arcor, I heard you wanted to talk to me. What do you have to say? You think it was easy seeing your face? pop up on those video feeds over the last few years. Nah, not a day goes by that I don't think back on the wrongs I done did you back on the ship. I get to remembering how we put you off on that ice ball back then and just feeling awful about myself. Well, I'm. you, you have to do what you have to do. A pirate needs to keep their self-interest at heart. I attacked you because I, I didn't want you to tell me shipmates about how I stabbed you in the back. Literally and, and figuratively back then, uh, the crew was convinced he had gone soft and didn't have what it took to make free captain. I, I didn't feel good about dropping you, but, uh, well, I, I was the one that convinced Sonros to let you live. I think, uh, Edris would look kind of shaken by that a little bit because, yeah, he, he didn't know any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, thank you. I... I was, to be honest, I was always confused as why Sonros let me live at all. Yeah, it was pretty hellbent, but uh, yeah, I, I, I was 
I was adamant. <sighs> Captain, if you have it in your lizard heart to forgive me, I'd appreciate it. I, I doubt Captain Aquana is going to see fit to keep me aboard the Rusty Rivet, but I'd, I'd still like to crew for a ship one day and get the stink of this mutiny off of me. Arkor, you are my most trusted man on the Sun Scale, which is why I made you first mate. Forgiving you is... A simple thing. And I already spoke to Aquana about our little tussle. I told her to take it easy on you and that she shouldn't concern herself with your actions. But I will make sure to speak to her again. He just kind of nods and, and looks away in shame again. I mean, before Edris leaves, I think he would want to kind of get down and just maybe say, I was very proud and honored to have you as a crewmate. And I hope that one day, well, maybe we could be part of a crew again. But until then... I hope you find a good fortune here on the Rusty Rivet. You turn to go. Yeah. You don't see the tears, but they're a-flowing, Tyler, down this, this little rat man's face. But uh, right before you leave the room, he, he calls out and says, Captain, there's there's one more thing. I, You know, I, I stopped crowing for Ersonaros. Uh, he went a little off the deep end after you left, and that's why me and the other crew left the Sunscale. Uh he just started in with this this wrong crowd. A bunch of psychopaths seem to worship death itself. Wait, you mean like the cult of the devourer? Cult of the... Yeah, no, that that's it. Anyway, he, he got a bit weird, so like I said, we we got out of there. But he's a, he's a pretty mean customer if you do ever come across him again. So you stay safe out there, Adros, and may Besmara smile on you, brother. The same to you, Arkor. May Besmara smile on you. Already, you get back into the, the main hold, and Free Captain Aquana says, as you, you come back in, So there's still the matter of letting you pass into Free Captain space, said Dross. Got my reputation to uphold and the, the crew's livelihood to think about here. Imagine if it got back to Baron Rock that I let Starfinders pass freely within a few million miles of the old fogies without imposing some kind of tariff. <laughs> You understand, right, old friend? If I was in your position, I would do the same thing, Captain Aquata. So let's set the the tax here at one credit. Does that sound all right? I'm sorry, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you cut out a little for me. Was that one credit? <laughs> yes. <laughs> one credit total for the ship? Like Neck ne- shakes off a little. Uh, <sighs> uh, yes, to, to, to let you go. I mean, she's basically giving yeah. it to you for free. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I was hearing that correctly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Edris looks a little shocked at first, and then kind of sm- just smiles very wide, and, and says, well, one credit it is, if you have to shake us down like that. Yeah, just like I said, an old friend discount. <laughs> she shakes your hand on it, then pulls you in close and kind of gives you a, a soft whisper in your ear, Edros. She says, uh, if you're if you're heading out to this this rock I told your crew about, if you happen to find anything uh, mystical, arcane, something you don't want, we'll we'll take it off your hands for you for a nice exchange of credits. How does that sound? For an old friend, anything. Free captains always looking for things to hang on their trophy wall, whether it be a head on a spike or some ancient alien artwork. Yes, and uh, I would help. I will help you. Be I will help you in your free captain status in any way I can. I hope we're not planning on selling these things back to her for one credit. <laughs> uh, no, she intimates, you know, she's willing to pay top dollar for for things that can kind of give her fame, fame and repute amongst the free captains. So cool. 
Side quest time. Yay. <laughs> right. So is there any anything you'd like to do, uh, say to the other crew members before you guys head on out? Alindra would like to, um, I mean, just she would stand proud and exude confidence, I would hope, to this captain. Mm-hmm. But her facial expression clearly stating that she's thankful for her hospitality. Uh, yeah. Aquani gives you a, a hearty handshake and, and says, uh, don't let this fool tell you what to do. You seem to have a good head on your shoulders, girl. Thank you, Aquana. It's a pleasure to meet, make your acquaintance. She kind of nods to your, your mote of light and, and says, uh, eh. And you, little friend, you take care of her, too. Oh, it will. <laughs> I, I imagine your mode of light looks like a, a little Furby on your shoulder now. Just like, <laughs> do, do, do. I made a fire. Uh, anybody else? Uh, Knack uh, wakes Remy up and then uh, motions back to the airlock. <laughs> Were you asleep, Remy? <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming that's probably what happened. <laughs> Half, halfway through... Uh, Snoozing the, the holographic image, like just melts off your weapon. <laughs> oh, You're just chilling in the back with your rifle. One last thing, mm. I just would uh, maybe while they're leaving and would turn to our quarter and say, uh, uh, Before we go, I just want to reiterate that uh, our core was my first mate back on the sun scale, and I really hope you can give him a good home here. He's a very good crew member who I think would do you the best work any pirate could ever do. And uh, if it wouldn't be too much trouble, and he, he hands her just, it's a little trinket uh, with just a symbol on it. Mm-hmm. He's like, give that to our core when you let him out of his porcelain prison. She kind of- <laughs> Is that what they're calling it these days? Ah, <laughs> oh, the old porcelain prison. Yeah, That's sure. his best attempt at a joke he will ever do. <laughs> uh, well, jokes, actually- are, jokes are charisma-based. You've got that, Tyler. Well, actually, the bathroom's on a spaceship would most likely be made of steel or some sort of alloy. Oh, I hate you, Drew. <laughs> Alright. Yeah, I'm gonna back that one up. Alright. I've lost, lost full control of this train, so let's go ahead and Fast forward, she turns the, the item over in her hand as waving you goodbye as you guys close the, the airlock and head back to your ship. And as your ship powers up to, to head on out, she comes over the comms again and says, Besmara's blessings to you, Evie. May the stars be your compass and the credits flow like wine. Uh, why doesn't someone go ahead and roll me a D4? How long it takes to head on out there? I did it. What the f- <laughs> The first one I got was rabies. No, the first one I got was a two from Andis. Jabert rolling a two. So it it's a few hours and in that time, obviously, Tyler, if you wanna take a ten minute break, you can. Thanks, buddy. It's only a few hours then, uh, journey before you get to K nine oh four. Your ship running silently as as you use your, your low power terrestrial engines to make these wide, powerful arcs around drifting asteroids and hunks of space ice. And it comes up on your scanners as a massive depression in the radar field, a large hunk of dead gray rock about a mile wide. Nick, if you're still on science officer duty, do you want to give me a, I don't know, physical science or whatever you've got? Uh, computers, I think, is, is what I can use yeah. in science. Right? That's fine, too. Yeah. I've written in my notes, just science. Just do science <laughs> on it. Keep in mind that you get a plus five on this. Ooh. Yeah, so that is a nine on the die, so 16 plus five is 21. Right, so it doesn't appear as your sensors are scanning over this 
this asteroid to be any man-made structures that you can sense. But there are just dozens and dozens of steep cliffs and, and very sharp ravines, many of which you know might house things that your sensors can't pick up. Uh, you sense a lot of metal deposits that the computer is picking up, but not having an easy time conclusively saying what they are. And yeah, this, this small planetoid has a low amount of gravity and a very, very thin wisp of atmosphere encircling it. I can tell you, rules-wise, that this planetoid is going to have low gravity, as per the rules, and a thin atmosphere as well, as per the rulebook. And since this is out in regular space, the, o- the only light here is, is starlight and a little bit of sunlight, it will be dim light just about everywhere that you go. So you find what looks to be the only bald patch on the entire rock where the the ship could be landed in a a small crater attached to a a very large ravine. And each is about a thousand feet wide. Circling the the planetoid a few times, it seems like almost the entirety of the the rest of the rock is is not traversable as it's all sharp, jagged rocks and, and deep pits. So as, as you exit the vehicle, you can all see very plainly that here in this crater, there are dozens of scorch marks on the rock where it seems uh, starships have landed and taken off before. Are you guys all putting on your environmental protections, putting on your spacesuits? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a swamp. <laughs> and it doesn't have to breathe. I was about to say, if you do take a, a breath in out here, it is, you know, like being on top of a mountain. It's very labored. And as such, sound is is pretty deadened out here. Sounds like, you know, things are, are kind of far away. So comm channel's open. Yeah. So stepping onto the rock, can I do a physical science check to try to identify the makeup of the rock? Why don't you go ahead and give me give me that check? Just kind of like spreading the, the space dust between your fingertips. Yeah, not great. 11. You know, it, it's not really enough to determine the, the makeup. It's mostly stone, but yeah, you can see what looks like maybe some metal shavings or something in the mix. Very, very fine, but uh, definitely definitely some metal, some other things there in the dust. Here, it's pretty packed down. It looks like this area where you've got your craft, it leads to the east and there are two paths one sloping upwards towards a, along a larger cliff face and the other down into the ravine towards the south. They, these two paths are divided by a sheer 40-foot cliff embankment steeply cut into the rock. Uh, which direction would you guys like to head? If we go, <laughs> if we go higher, we might get some high ground to be able to, to see what's going on, get a better, better view of what might be in the ravine or directions through the ravine. I don't know. What do you guys think? My guess is that, I mean, on a rock like this, mining is probably the uh, the name of the game out here. So yeah, there were metal shavings that, uh, that Alindra found. So there are probably some mines down there, but yeah. Patrick, can I, can I have physical science? Is that anything valuable? Is what valuable? Uh, 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 the metal shavings, the little bits of ore that we're finding here. Is this, are these like alloys of, or uh, ores of something that, might be refined into something valuable. Yeah, with that, you can... It, it does look some like some very high sheen metals, so mm-hmm. if it's not heavier metals, it might be something uh, quite valuable. Perhaps you, you see some steel shavings in there, uh, or some kind of alloy, but also maybe the presence of uh, silver. Okay. Um, which path, north or south? Would you, which? Uh, let's would say you north. Like? Let's go north. north. Unless any objections. Is the north the uh, higher no, or the who low? Ca- who cares? 
<laughs> north is the the path. North is the path leading up, and it is yep goes up to slightly upward. You guys see yourself on the map here. Yeah, everybody. Yes. Yep. yes. Great. This is another one of Paizo's very fun big maps. So each of these black squares is ten square foot. You see uh, before you as you climb up this hill, a massive rock formation, fifty feet tall. Uh, to the north, there is a, a huge rocky outcropping with a long set of steps jutting out about uh, 80 feet towards the south. And in a crevice off to the side, you see a massive, ginormous ash pile flush against a cleft in the cliff face, kind of like a, a large snowbank. It looks like of just dust and, and dirt that has accumulated here. Beneath you, the, the ground is rocky with the scars of millions of little micro-asteroid impacts, but is primarily flat. Alindra would like to go over to the ashy pile and inspect that. What is that made of? Uh, do you guys all want to head there towards the north? Uh, yeah, sure. Yes. As you're walking over, everyone uh, make a perception check for me. Perception checks aren't bad things. They're good things. Perception checks. Let's see here. Let me go through. Looks like 21. Anderson, Knack, and Alindra might see a, a glint on top of this massive cliff face. Just a little bit of starlight reflecting on something up there. As a shot rings out across this ravine at you guys at a random team member. Of course, it's going to be Knack, the most dangerous of the group. <laughs> Rolled randomly here, so you are not flat-footed. Uh, what is your KAC these days? My KAC is 20. What is your EAC, though? That's the more important one. My EAC. That's, what I'm, that's what I'm shooting you with. My EAC is 19. All right. I've rolled an 18 on my attack roll, and believe it or not, I have more than a plus zero bonus here. So a massive bolt of laser flame energy pierces your your armor, comes out the backside and hits the, the rock right behind you. That is 12 points of damage as this sniper energy round goes right through your shoulder. And we're in combat. In uh, We will have the rest of this surprise round as Alinak and Andis uh, you may make a move or a standard action as you see up on top of this cliff, just the slightest bit of movement. Alindra, first, uh, what would you like to do? How high up is that? About 80 feet or so up. The area here in front is a step of about three foot tall, kind of naturally formed giant steps going up, which would be difficult terrain if you want to try and climb it. We are, though, in low gravity, which means you can basically jump three times as high as you can in normal gravity. And I can get gravity boost yep, that, because that, of gravity That adds to so. your athletics checks, too, right? It adds to climb, jump, and swim checks. Wh yeah. yeah, which are all athletics, yes. Right, yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, if you... Do you want to go towards Graviton attunement? Um, yeah, I'll go toward Graviton, and I guess I need to approach the steps, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so how far how far can it go in low gravity? Uh, so movement is the same in, in low gravity. I'll, I'll, why don't I just read some of these fun rules that Paizo took all the time to write up? Yeah. 
low gravity worlds are liberating to most species acclimated to standard gravities as your muscles are far more effective than normal. So on a low gravity world, it is about a third of standard gravity and you can jump three times as high, lift three times as much, and your movement speed stays the same as you, you're basically now just Neil Armstrong and, and Buzz Aldrin in it across the, the landscape. You move in these kind of like big bounds and leaps forward. And I don't think anyone uses thrown weapons, but thrown weapons have their range categories tripled. All right. So since it's Alindra's turn, she's going to, so I can move 25 feet. So I'm going to move right. here. And, and I'm also pulling out my solar weapon. That makes sense. <laughs> that tracks. Andis147, you're up next. So can I see who just shot at Knack? Yes. So you saw just the very glint. It looks like a scope on a rifle. And maybe a, a head bobbling back there, but it's about, well, I think uh, over 100 feet, right? Away? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, my, my range is 120 feet on my rifle. So like, I don't know why I wouldn't be able to see him. We are in dim light, but uh, you do have dark vision as an android. So you can kind of see the figure. They're definitely in cover behind the rocks. Okay. So if, if they're in cover, then I'm going to try to move up. I'll move 30 feet to the west. Okay. So you're heading closer as well. Knack, you are next and you can make a move or a standard action. Do I see any, like, obvious cover spots? Hmm, to, to hide from the sniper. So if you hug the cliff face to the north, you might be able to hide from its shot, but it would not be total cover. you just get partial or maybe a plus four bonus if you do a, a stealth check over there. Partial is better than nothing, and I am going to... I can move 30 feet here, right? Yep. Mind you, this is only a single move or standard, so go ahead and do that. All right, so you're moving closer to the the rock face, hugging it, and that brings us to the full turn one. So the figure kind of disappears up top on the rock, and uh, yeah, the head just kind of vanishes, and that brings us to Alindra Vallis. I'm going to continue to move toward the steps. I'm going to double move, so... That's like, what, 50 feet? Yeah, 50 feet. Already, and next in the normal turn order is still Andis. It looks like the three people that rolled the highest initiative also were the only ones able to see the the sniper on the first turn, which I always love. I think that's fun when that happens. Would uh, you just keep on moving? And yeah, I'm gonna move uh, 50 feet to the west. Yep, these sniper battles. You got to cover a lot of ground. Knack. What do you uh, want to do? I'm gonna. All right, I am going to continue to move along the rock wall here. Yep, so you've got rock between you and at least where the, the sniper, you first saw it. Do you, do you want to try and, and stealth? you want to try and hide? Yes. Ooh. So that's a 19 on the die, so 33. I don't think I'm going to be able to see you. <laughs> uh, Edros, Tyler, what have you got on your first turn? I would like to spend a full action to, to try and run if I can. Okay, so... Nothing difficult terrain here in this part, at least. So you run in a straight line, and you can quadruple your move speed. Where where are we running to? Uh, I'm going to go all the way to the east, right at the base of the steps. Great. Go ahead and do that. And Raimi, next. All right. So I'm going to put on my, my goggles uh, because they have infrared right. to see if uh, I can see the bad guy. Why don't you make another perception check for me? All righty. 17. All right, so I can tell you very easily that that is not going to be enough to see where <laughs> they are hiding up there. Got a stealth of plus 17, so that's not going to do it. Do you want to make a move, a uh, standard action? 
Yeah, I guess, I mean, he's just going to move a little bit further forward, kind of in right behind Andis. Excellent. And that is turn one on the next turn. Let's figure popping back up, obviously. Let me make a perception check and see what our sniper friend can see. Pyaw, he... Sniper friend does not see Knack hiding out in the ronks, so we've only got a few targets. Can see one of them being Raimi in the back here. <laughs> and of course, he's going to go for the easiest, most succulent of targets. Young, young Raimi, what is your EAC? My EAC is 17. 17. All right, so I rolled a 10. That is a hit. That is 17 points of damage. Another energy rifle blast tears through this time goes right through your thigh okay hurts like the dickens and we are back to alindra okay i'd like to use gravity boost as a graviton tuned Mm -hmm. solarian to climb up these stairs can i do that yep so give me a athletics check you can you basically set the dc of what you want to jump it's you know i'm gonna say it'll be about double because you're going about half vertical half horizontal on on this jump to to get up these steps and uh, we'll see how far you can get here why don't you roll me that athletics check right. Ooh. that's a 29 and <laughs> i guess we add two to that so that'd be a 31. yeah a good deal of distance so you can basically hop skip and jump uh, from the base of the rocks 10 feet straight up right about to here so you're about 10 15 feet away from it looks like where the the sniper is set up behind some rocks you get to uh, take another uh, movement to continue moving up there this is difficult terrain so you'll only be able to move one space for every 10 feet that you can move or you can try to make a another athletics check to jump this one's going to be a lot harder though because you don't have a a 10 foot you know kind of lead up run space okay i will athletics jump up there let's see how this goes that's a 29 because i still have gravity boost on right so you can get right within range of this creature and he's uh he's pretty wild looking once you get up here it looks like a very tall thin gray-skinned alien and holding on to a massive sniper rifle you want to roll me a, a culture check sure it's a 15. Right, so you might have heard of these creatures before. These are the the natives of the diaspora. It's a Sarcesian. All right, next in the turn order, we are back to Andis, 147. All right, my plan is to use my jump jets to hop up, jump up the cliff face. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Zoom, zoom. Uh, Uh, Yes. I got got three X on that. Uh, yeah, it doesn't specifically say that, like, but it seems to be kind of rational that like your jump jets would would like would jump three times as much. So jump jets basically give you a fly speed. If you want to attempt a very a risky maneuver, a jump and a jet, I will allow it. And that'll be a, an athletics check. You'll get a, a little boost on that as well. But otherwise, I think it's going to take your entire turn to, to get up there. How risky are we talking here? Most most things I make up by the seat of my pants are either DC 15 or DC 20. So somewhere in that range. What's your right. athletics looking like? All right, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm feeling Ooh. I'm feeling risky. So this is definitely that scene. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely that scene uh, in our our old collective favorite movie, Super Mario Brothers. 
the motion picture where they, they strap the boots on and they jump across the room. Uh, there's no fungus to save you here, though, as a 10 on the dice, 13. It is going to take you the rest of your, your movement and a couple of expenditures of your jump jets to get to the top there. But now you are just about dead even with, yeah, what looks like a, a sniper about 45 feet. Okay, sounds good. All right, Knack. Hiding in the rocks. So Adras did a run action that I'm going to be honest, I didn't know you could do. Is that a so full action? I can quadruple my distance. Is that the what I heard him? Yeah, on on flat, you know, like even terrain, like most uh, humanoids, you can just run. (laughs) So I can go right here with uh, trying to seek shelter underneath the the cliff face where the sniper's hiding out from, if you'd like. Awesome. I'm doing that. And Adras. I want to make a, a double jump up to the top where Lydra is. Athletics check number one. Oh, go. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Whoa. 16? Whoa. How did she roll like a 30? Um, 16. So, yeah, you're only able to jump about 10 feet up. No, less than that. About seven feet up. So about halfway, five feet up the first couple of steps. I'll remind you, this is, once you get there, just difficult terrain. So you can just... Take a, a move action, continue moving. If you don't trust your your jumping capabilities like our uh, gazelle, Alindra. We have the same bonus. We have the same bonus to athletics. <laughs> well, well, you don't have the same rules, so. <laughs> I'm jumping again, Patrick. All right. You don't have gravity boost. Valhalla, here, here it comes. Oh, my God. <laughs> mm-hmm. What'd you roll? I rolled a three. About halfway up those steps, not very, oh. not very far at all. You would have moved <laughs> like thrice that if you had just uh, bounded and leaped up like you're on the stairmaster. Some of us want to be cool too, okay? <laughs> that's, that's what that's what happens. Uh, Ramy, you are up, and yeah, you can see this the sniper up here now is, uh, is right next to Alindra. What do you want to do, Miles? I am going to fire my new Corona laser rifle at him. All right, so it's behind a little bit of cover up there, but go ahead and give me that EAC attack roll. 19. Mm. Fortunately, that is a miss since it's EAC. Shoot, 12 on the dice, not going to do it. Takes us to turn number three. This this creature in front of you, Alindra, kind of just slings his rifle behind his back and pulls out a tactical dueling sword and comes at you ferocious and you can hear through your your helmet uh i'm just going right at you and what is your kac 21 oh boy it's got an upgrade uh i've rolled what a seven correct all right i have missed (laughs) and it is alindra's turn okay alindra would like to start by trying to talk to this creature. Is that possible? Does it speak common or anything? You can try. It's free action. <laughs> what do you want to say? We're not here to attack you. We know that you are natives. We're here for your infiltrators. Yeah, so he's he looks pretty rabid. He's not foaming at the mouth or anything, but looks kind of parched. You know, maybe he hasn't drinking in some, some time and his eyes are, are wild and you hear him through the, the very thin atmosphere uh, say... The flesh beasts will not hurt the master. Yeks will not let them. What you got, Alindra? What you got? Okay. <laughs> do I have any water on me? Can I give it some water? You can try if that's what you want to do. That's going to be a movement 
to pull it out, kind of toss it in its direction. Sure, and and while I'm doing that, I'll, I'll say, we're not here for you. We are here to protect you, if anything. Diplomacy. Uh, yeah, why, why don't you make a diplomacy check? Right, so as you kind of lightly toss like uh, your canteen, like it's a balloon filled with helium and in his direction, he just kind of like bats it away with his sword. It's Andis's turn. Mm. Why do you guys love standing in my line of fire so much? I know. <laughs> One of these days, I'm just going to shoot you in the back just to teach you. Okay, here well, we go. We're Tracking have, and shooting. We're going to have that critical failure up to 19. Uh, 19, yes. Even just with a little bit of cover, that is a miss, unfortunately. Yep. <laughs> uh, Nax is Rack. What you got, sir? So, uh, in in the low atmosphere, is Nack at a distance where he can communicate with this thing? Uh, yeah, so you're maybe 60, 70 feet away. It, you'd have to uh, shout. And, and take off your, your helmet, perhaps. But yeah, you could you probably get its attention. What, what do you want to do? So next speaks Sarcesian. Oh, boy. So uh, what do you want to say to it? So uh, I want to... Um, uh, d- did I happen to hear what it said to Alindra? Uh, make a perception check. So that's a 28. You better believe you heard every word of it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Nack uh, pops open his, his helmet and uh, yells out in Sarcesian, We're not the flesh beasts! But we, we're here to help. We just want to know what what's going on here. We, we, we're, we're tracking some very bad people to try to to take them down. Stand down and let's talk about this. Oh, make that diplomacy check. It's a oh, 16. You're very much a flesh beast. Uh. Don't try and lie to me, Drew. <laughs> uh, do you want to make a move or a standard? Uh, I want to put my helmet back on. Uh, can I do one of those crazy jumps? Yeah, go for it. Making me an athletics check. So that's a 21. Bingo, bingo. You're able to jump up a good 20 feet. Boy, it's so easy to roll, roll really high, isn't it? Tyler, don't worry. I'm I'm, I'm small. Soki have natural uh, athletic tendencies when it comes to, to stuff like this. It's 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 you know, it's a tail thing. We have tails. And Ross, your turn. All right. Can I move across one of these steps over to where Nack jumped up? Go ahead, and that's going to be difficult terrain still. The the rocks here, but you can do that. If it's difficult terrain, yeah, I'll, I'll be taking my whole movement to move over next to Nack. Ramy, your turn. What do you want to do? I'm going to uh, fire my magic missile. All right. Go ahead. You've got the range. Roll that damage. All right. So that's plus three. It's five. Eight. Or 12 damage. Already, yeah. All three of those unerringly smack into the Sarcesian and, yeah, send it kind of reeling. It looks stunned as it was conversing with your, your other teammates. It spreads out a, a massive set of gossamer wings over 15 feet tall and just kind of drifts away on a solar wind and starts flapping, moving out of, out of sight as it jumps over a couple of cliff faces and swoops down below. We're out of combat. Hooray! You're welcome! <laughs> the first and only damage done to the sniper. Mm. Yay! For you guys! Woo! Woohoo! Still feel like we could have talked to it. We're getting close. <laughs> you did. You did. Why, why don't you... Yeah, what do you guys want to do now? Uh, uh, I, I need to take a 10-minute break. You guys up here on the cliff are up about 60, 70 feet, depending on where you are. 
This looks to be about the highest cliff face in this valley. So you've got a pretty good view of a, a few different directions. Anything else you want to do? Can we we look in the area where the 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 southern path, the lower like down path took to see if we can get kind of a lay of the land for that? Yeah, why don't you give me a perception check for that? Staring off to, towards the south. It's a uh, 23. Right, so you see it does jump down, you know, another cliff face here, but you see another very large pile of, of larger dirt and, and rocks, and you see some metallic items glinting in the, the starlight down there. But besides that, you don't see any, any structures, any people, anything like that. G- glinting metallic objects, eh? Yes, I've revealed it on the map. Is there anything to the north that we can see? Towards the north are just more of these completely impassable, sheer rock faces that even the most seasoned of, of climbers would probably have a, a difficult time traversing. Just like a, a ton of teeth stretched out into the night sky. Okay, so sh- it sounds like we should descend to the steps that we're on now and go to the south. Any thoughts? Sure. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, I guess that's what we're going to have All right. to do. All right, we do that. Tyler, what do you want to do? Has anybody searched up there for anything that the Sarkeesian might have left behind? It had like a little perch or would that have been revealed in any of the perception checks we had done? Literally, no one has searched the top of the cliff. I would like to search the top of the cliff. Uh, go ahead and give me a perception check. Uh, 19. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, DC 18. You find at the crook uh, of a, a few stones where the sniper was hiding out, a cloth-wrapped bundle stashed in a crevice. Inside, you find a folded mobile hotelier with a drained battery, six R2Es, little meal packages, a cred stick loaded with 3,500 credits, and a small leather-bound journal. Uh, can I read the journal? It is in a hand, in a language that you do not understand. Do you speak... <laughs> Sir, Sir Cesian. I do now. No, but next I does. would. Yeah, maybe can next I can read it. Uh, I would like to show the journal to the rest of the group. The home front is no longer a home. I don't get why they don't understand whenever I try to explain things to them. What's gone is gone, and our people have got their future before them. They say I'm a radical, that I'm too extreme. Huh. <laughs> But I say they are not far gone enough to understand. I want to find a place where I can go to experience life beyond the crash. Beyond those wanting to hold me back. Entry 2. I've tried again to explain my thoughts to the others, and I'm once again met with a lack of understanding. They mock me and my ideas. I hope that some of them will come around, but as close-minded as they are, I highly doubt it. Entry three. It's so typical. I bet that if I just left, nobody would even come looking. Getting so sick of the way certain people are treated here, I might have just had enough. I'm planning to leave once my bags are packed. Entry four. I found a deserted rock in the field of the lost to call my own for a time. I had to dodge the usual pirate scum to get out here, but it's nice and quiet. I think I'll spend some time exploring before setting my mind to writing here, what may turn out to be a manifesto for my people. Entry 5 The air here is so thin, but I thought I heard something in the rock face below. Sounded like an animal. I've been scouting with a scope all morning, but I haven't seen any movement. 
I'll investigate soon from a distance. Entry 6. I have found Master, and it protects me. I must protect Master. I will not blink, not sleep. I must protect the young ones. I must protect Master. Entry 7. The Flesh Beast must not come. Master is weak. If the Flesh Beast comes, I must kill. I must protect. Entry 8. It is so beautiful in my head. It is beauty. I cannot let anything happen to it. Entry 9. Yex must keep scratches away, or Master will not let Yex play. Entry 10. Yex will be scree. Yex will be scree. Yex will be scree. <laughs> Some pretty pretty dark stuff about him finding someone he calls a master. And towards the end, it just devolves into unreadable scribbles. Give me a, uh, a skill check. See if you might understand what's happening here. All right. That's plus 12, so 26. All right. Yeah, so that is more than enough. You've not seen these things in person before, but as you read uh, or have knack read out the words scree you you recognize it maybe as a, a trademark of a, a large aberration creature known as a scree sire it's a, a a massive winged beast that clings to dark places like these tentacled legs leathery arms a massive maw and you know with that a, a couple things about the the scree sire but amongst its special abilities ability to blend in with its surroundings, a camouflage, and also has the ability to enthrall a humanoid minds, so it can psychically tap into people and make them do its bidding. Hmm. Oh, that's not good. So, uh, that's really bad. So, I definitely so, tell the group to look alive for that aspect. So, so the journal entry implies that he was bound to serving a master, but that these Scree sires. Did I say that right? It is a scree sire, yes. Scree sires. All right, so we have a journal that is super, like, creepy because uh, this guy, this this Sarcesian, has clearly been made to protect this this master and then talks about uh, this, this giant beast that can hide in plain sight. You've got a, a, about as much info out of the, the journal as possible right now. Do you, you want to go to, you have this ash pit still to the, the north, and then you have a, a giant, it looks like a, a rock pebble and, and dust pit in the cliff on the southern uh, walkway, the kind of the bottom of this ravine. We were going to go to the ash pit before we got attacked by the sniper, so it's probably a good idea that we go ahead and do that. Yeah, I still want to go there and and do a physical science check okay. to see if I can identify the contents of it. <laughs> so this this ash pile, it's dust, it's debris, and it looks like yeah, just a, a massive uh, five foot embankment of dust, uh, about the size of, of sand, up to some some pebbles, some some little meaty meteors, and it's about uh, five foot deep in parts. But you see a few odd shapes in what would normally be like a, a very smooth, you know, snow embankment. You know how snow kind of blows up against a building. You guys diving in? Yeah, I'd like to investigate the odd shapes. Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's, let's start digging. You guys can cut up through there, and yeah, you do see some very small metallic shards throughout. You're, you're kicking it through, and Lindra, as you 
the first to, to dive in towards the back. You find in the ashes, buried amongst the small rocks, a corpse, de- decayed, covered in, in tattered black and red rags. Ooh, black and red rags. Aren't those the same colors as the as the cult of the devourer? Yeah. Give me a mysticism check. I can tell you for sure. Okie dokie. Miles, did you, uh... <laughs> yep. Oh, there boy. We, there we go. 28. <laughs> so they're mostly destroyed. If this person had armor on them, it's rotted away completely. And you do identify some icons on the clothing that maybe suggest this was an, an acolyte of the, the, the cult. You know, a very low-ranking member. It doesn't seem like... They were in any of the vestments of the the cult of devour that you've come across in in Eucalam. So very low ranking member, and you see on his desiccated finger a very disgusting, filthy, decaying, flesh ridden uh, magical ring. Alindra right. would like to take it off the finger and inspect it. All right. So <laughs> you know, as you take a look over it, I think this is one that you might have seen before, or maybe seen in a store before to to purchase is a ring of sustenance Mm. and is that the one that prevents you from having to use food and drink is that right so yeah sounds and and just looks over and says twinsies (laughs) (laughs) what's your life science andis uh it's reasonable let me you can roll it you can roll it for me i imagine you've got a pretty pretty high one so it's all right it's not terrible uh, 22. Right. So it, even though this is in a, a massive state of decay, you can tell that this was a, a human. Um, hmm. did this, it's mainly did, bones now. Did this human die of hunger and thirst? Yeah, you're not, not too sure. I bet not. Don't. <laughs> you don't see much in the way of, you know, wounds on it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's definitely pretty well buried under these... Uh, under this dust and it looks like it's been here a while i can imagine all right and i think that's just about everything you can find here you guys want to head back to the the south sure yeah, yeah. Yes, check sir. It out. yeah. so this is a 40 foot cliff bank do you want to try and jump down do you want to try and find a way to climb or find a way around Wee. i'm just Wee. jumping yeah i'll jump with gravity boost i'll jump everybody yeah uh, address will go around <laughs> <laughs> All right, so everybody but Edros, go ahead and roll a d4 for me. Alrighty, so as you guys, you know, slowly fall to Earth at a third of this normal gravity, you you land in these giant puffs of dust and, and dirt and sink in. And as you do, these very large metal shards just beneath the surface start cutting you up and you take the amount of damage that you've rolled here on the d4 as, uh, yeah, it looks like almost crystalline-grown metal fragments dig into you. Well, that's not fun. It's uh, some interesting rolls. We've got two ones for Anderson Neck and two fours from Melinda and <laughs> Uh I think that is statistically average. I was going to say, know. I was expecting that, roll, that one roll to be bad, but... Uh, maybe not so much. So that is that one damage taken, or is, is the, does that have a multiplier? Correct. And uh, we're we're in a pretty quiet time. Any time between the searching and and uh, walking around here, if you guys wanted to take that ten minute rest break, you can. Mm-hmm. No no time crunch. So as you drift down, uh, why does anybody with physical science give me a check? See if you can identify uh, what these metallic shards are. Twenty eight. That's right. 
God, you guys. Oh you're my so, gosh. You're Innes, so you brainy. Yeah. One up me. Oh, let me tell you about these, Alindra. <laughs> Back in my day. So, so for for the for the listeners at home, Alindra has rolled a natural twenty for physical science to get a twenty-eight. But Andis has not rolled a natural twenty, but still has a thirty. <laughs> just, a, just a nineteen on this not super difficult physical science check. So, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, you both maybe Andre, you've studied it in the university, and Andis, you might have mined a good deal of this yourself. You've uh, you've had these cuts in your your flesh before. Mm-hmm. These are, are giant hunks of cold iron metal. Hmm. Can we harvest some of that stuff? Uh, Yeah, so, you know, just taking a look through when you get there at Dross, if you want to try and take some out, you might take a little bit of damage as well, but you can find a good chunk that you can, you know, pick up and and swing about. We should probably go back to our our fun friends, the Screes. Miles, you know for a fact that Screes have a good deal of immunities and damage reductions, but... Their main one is they are damage resistant against everything except cold iron. So let's get as much of this stuff as we can take. <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'll roll a d4 as I get hurt pulling out a sizable chunk. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna take some as well. Sure. So how do we how do we no calculate how much we get? So if you want to take a piece out, that's that's no problem. If you want to sift through this massive 60 by 40 foot pile of ash. This will probably take a few hours, but just taking a look at what you can see here, you can probably get a a good many creds worth, maybe up to 10 bulk worth of ore, of uh, of metal from from this one pile. Yeah, we could uh, get some for our special captain friend. Yeah, Yeah, I would like to to get as much of it as we can carry, because we can carry more because it's low gravity, right? So let's take... uh... That is true. That's how it works. That's how it works. I left my giant uh, sack on uh, the 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 drift rider. So I, I I think it best if we just come back to it later. Uh, yeah. And we can gather it our, at our leisure. Let's get it. Well, let's get enough to to attack something if we need to, and then yeah, we'll come back for the rest. I mean, that's why we get, that's why we have these guns though. <laughs> but it's resistant. But it's resistant <laughs> to everything except this stuff. So yeah. Well, so was Tahuman, and look where he is. <laughs> <laughs> And it's made a funny. I made a big old right. chuckle. Well, next, gonna pick up a, a couple of pieces. So okay, as you guys are, are sorting through some of these piles, Ramy, you trip over something in in the dust, fall to the <laughs> ground. <laughs> you fall to the ground very slowly. It's more like, <laughs> oh no, I literally can't stop this from happening. But I have a lot of time to process it. What do you? What do you? What do Does it make a wily e. coyote like like mushroom cloud of dust? It does, and it's also like a a little pillow there. Oh, no. Doesn't hurt at all. Sleepy times. Good. Right, but you see sticking out of the dust a pair of boots. Looks like another body here. Oh, I I try to uh, I guess uncover the body. Right. So this takes some time as there's a a lot of of weight on on the chest. Did. Do you want to ask these other folks for help? Uh, yeah. Right. So many hands make light work. And within a few minutes, you've uncovered another corpse. This one not dressed in rags. But as you are uncovering it, you disturb the remains and it slumps forward. And you see glinting metal stored behind its back. Looks like giant silver bars. Oh, yeah. Thousands of credits worth. Thousands. 
It's it's Curly. We found Curly's silver. <laughs> well, we follow the map. Uh, Yar, we be finding the buried treasure of Captain Bones. <laughs> uh, not not a pirate, but you do see that this skeleton, if it if it wore armor, uh, it has rotted away. Its flesh is is all but gone, and uh, it has just a, a few wisps of a, a spacesuit made of some hard plastics. You see across its its lap a thin, jagged, and rusted piece of metal. Emblazoned on it are, are two logos. The corporate identities tied to one another with a laser cutter's torch emblazoned deep in the steel. A ship blasting into orbit and two shaking hands, one jade and one ebony, and the barely legible words beneath that image is Quindar Conglomerate slash Astral Extractions. Hmm. Oh. And that's that's on the silver bars. That is on a, a piece of metal across this thing's lap. Uh-oh. You can also make out uh, very faintly as you rub away the the ash and the grime. The figure's name tag. What's his name? His name is To Be Continued. Uh, ah! uh, it's an android. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> To be, <laughs> to be content. Uh, that's episode thirty. You guys love rocks out in space, right? It's neck and neck with the jungle. Oh boy, I can't wait oh, for geez, metal geez. akatas. That's going to be great. Uh, yeah. Have you been looking at my notes, Drew? How <laughs> <laughs> oh, dare you? More akatas, but this time metal. Yeah, <laughs> More health. Harder to harder to hurt. That's uh oh boy, thirty episodes. We are a good chunk into book three, Splintered Worlds. I'm very excited to continue. You guys have any idea what you're gonna find on this rock? No um, idea. Dead uh, dead body is uh, buried in the ash. Well, yes. I, I mean, cold. spoiler warning. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Yeah, I was about to say the writer of this AP, uh, Amanda loves burying bodies in ash. So. Uh, no, but whoa. any other predictions what we might find next week? Uh, yeah, I, I think that the Scree Sire is probably one of the leaders of the Cults of the Devourer who's brainwashed a bunch of thralls into doing his bidding on the rock in the diaspora. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping we get to uh, to run into our Sarcesian uh, friend again, just to... Ah, uh... uh, yes. Uh, from the journal, you know his name is Yex. Ah, Yex. Well. Yak's going to give it to you. I get a bit of an old god Cthulhu kind of thing from this. So I wonder if if we're going Mm. to come across a very large sort of god. Mm. I wonder if we're going to fight Cthulhu at level five. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Suck this one, Cthulhu. Podcast over. Well, if it's big enough, enough, we could fight it with the ship, which would be kind of a cool thing. But I think it would still kill us. I think Raimi's uh, bad feelings about astral extractions are definitely proving to be correct. <laughs> mm. Being connected yeah. to his family. Yeah, that's a pretty hot drop right there at the end. Quindar mm-hmm. and astral extractions working together. Uh, not good. We'll find out next time. Episode 31. <laughs> wow. But until then, uh, thank you guys for playing with me. Thank you. Thanks, thank you. And happy thank GM you. Appreciation Day. Uh, happy yeah, GM Appreciation Day to all the game masters out there listening. Yeah. And we you, know GMs. you do. <laughs> Just a week late. Just yeah. 
<laughs> oh yeah, I was about to say just a week late because this comes out a week later. <laughs> right. Um. All right. So say good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.